Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WrestleMania tickets finally on sale tomorrow. Charlie Caruso removed from WWE TV, and I take you through last night's edition of the Wednesday Night Wars. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was AEW Dynamite and WWE NXT. But before we get into that, let's check out our news. WrestleMania tickets finally on sale Tomorrow, originally scheduled for March 16th, WWE moved the date that their tickets were going to go on sale on, not originally giving fans a new date due to the delay, but now we finally have a new date. Uh, Given the fact that uh, Vince McMahon actually warmed up to the idea featuring some cardboard cutouts in the crowd, um, if they're doing cardboard cutouts, I'll I'll find a way to get myself a cutout to make sure uh, I'm there in attendance without a doubt. Uh, That's no question. WWE released a statement saying, Hashtag WrestleMania is back in business and tickets to the two-night event will now go on sale this Friday, March 19th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern with an exclusive WrestleMania pre-sale starting tomorrow, which is today, March 18th at 10 a.m. Eastern. So if, if you're listening to, listening to this before 10 a.m., uh, get your, your mouse ready or your, or your uh, fingers ready if you're on your phone to try to get in on that pre-sale if you're interested on going to WrestleMania in Tampa Bay. It was recently noted that tickets will be available to be purchased in pods uh, with up to six fans per pod tickets in a pod cannot be sold or transferred to anyone outside of the family and quote trusted acquaintances eduardo a and senior of the tampa bay times has reported that 25,000 fans are expected to uh, be in attendance each night of wrestlemania 37 this would be around 36 percent of raymond james stadium's usual capacity so 25 uh, plus 25, that, that's 50,000. Not going to say it's going to be 50,000 different people, but some people can only make it to night one and not make it to night two. Some people can make it to night two, but not, not night one. So it can go either way there. But either way, there's going to be fans in attendance for WrestleMania, and you, you should all be excited for that. If you're interested, make sure you go check out Ticketmaster and all that to make sure you grab your ticket. Uh, definitely going to be in a limited quantity. It's not like how it has been in years past. But uh, it, keep, keep your trigger fingers ready if you're definitely interested. And also, if the cardboard cutouts, I wonder how that situation is going to work. Uh, if more news comes out on that, I will let you know. Charlie Caruso removed from WWE TV. According to Fightful Select, Caruso's heat uh, has some heat uh, due to her being consistently late to conduct interviews, and this news reached the ears of Vince McMahon, who made the decision to pull her from TV. Caruso's contract with the WWE is reportedly up very soon, but it is unknown whether uh, she is planning to remain with the WWE or uh, if she is planning on to uh, depart. Uh, As we know, uh, Caruso does work for ESPN as well. Sometimes she fills in for Molly Kiram on first take and is uh, a 
part-time host for First Take. Uh, I personally think that she does a better job than Molly Kiram at being the host between Stephen A. and Max Kellerman on First Take. And she also got her new show on ESPN, uh, First Take, Her Take. I believe that she hosts as well. So she, she has things going in her direction already with ESPN. And honestly, she might be... I, it, it might be sound weird to say, and I've had a couple of conversations with other people about this when this news broke, that she might just be too good for WWE. I know that might sound crazy, but at the same time, you never want to show up late to work. That's something that you don't want to do, especially when you're at the job already. You don't want to be showing up late to places when you got to be there for live TV. But uh, it's currently believed that Caruso has been permanently replaced by Kevin Patrick, who uh, you you have seen popping up on TV from time and time again. Uh, there there were his, it was his new hire, I believe, like two weeks ago, and now continuing to make an impact on the WWE given uh, Caruso's absence. Uh, we already see some names uh, be uh, dropped out of the WWE in uh, Renee Young and I believe one more name. Uh, also dropped out a few months back, but uh, Caruso could be another backstage person that once again uh, fades away and moves on to either greater things or fades away into the distance never to, to be heard from again. But uh, with her and all she does for ESPN, she does a fantastic, fantastic job, and uh, I think she'll have no problem finding another job outside of the WWE. There's no problem there. We're going to get right into our show review for last night's AEW Dynamite. But first, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, and you could type that in at manscaped.com when you check out. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools. For the job with Manscaped. Getting into last night's fantastic, fantastic AEW Dynamite. Uh, It was dubbed the St. Patrick's Day Slam, given that yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. I'm hoping as you listen to this, I'm not too loud, given the fact that you might be hungover. But that's okay. That's okay. I hope you enjoyed your St. Patrick's Day thoroughly. First match of the night. Penta versus Cody Rhodes. This match was made after last week's incident with Penta uh, coming at Cody Rhodes for whatever reason. And uh, especially after the AW Revolution uh, ladder match, face of the Revolution ladder match, uh, Penta uh, telling Cody Rhodes that he's going to destroy his arm so bad that he's not going to be able to pick up his new baby girl. And uh, that, that struck a chord with Cody Rhodes. And now they have a match to open the show. Penta attacks Rhodes prior to the match. Penta is the dominant force early on as Rhodes favors that shoulder that has been injured. A dive to the outside by Rhodes drops Penta on a leaning piece of the barricade that was propped up. Rhodes connects with the Cody Cutter and Crossroads only for Penta to kick out. Penta attacks the arm of Cody Rhodes once again only to be rolled up by Rhodes. Rhodes picks up the victory and is attacked uh, after the match. The Gun Club and Dustin Rhodes uh, enters to save him, but QT Marshall enters late, continuing to build the dissension in the Nightmare family. 
I thought this was a solid match and a great way to start the show. Cody Rhodes always does a great job starting a show, I believe, no matter who he's going against. And usually, when Cody Rhodes is in a match, it's not really about the match itself. It's usually what's going on after the fact or before. And this, I feel, was more after the fact, especially QT Marshall entering late. Uh, I wonder how long they're going to continue to develop this before QT Marshall completely turns. I could see them continuing with this for the next month or so, which wouldn't be a problem to me as long as it doesn't feel like it's dragging. There has to be a continued uh, building blocks there. It has to be continued, continued, continued. Can't really just stay stagnant. That's what's going to bother me. But Penta also doing a very, very nice job himself uh, getting himself involved in this feud and uh, putting on a great match to open up St. Patrick's Day Slam. Jade Cargill in action versus Danny Jordan. Welcome back, Danny Jordan. According to the lower third that they show, Danny Jordan hasn't competed in the match since 2019. So now back in AEW competing in a match. Uh, welcome back, I guess. Jade connects with a jaded finishing move to pick up the win in a good squash match. And normally... I knock points for AEW having squash matches because that's just something that they don't really do. They usually just have competitive matches that are one-sided but competitive. Uh, but this was a squash as squash could be. But honestly, I didn't really mind it. I didn't really mind it in this situation because Jade Cargill needs to be built. And she's continuing to be built, especially after the match that they had at uh, AEW Crossroads uh, with uh, Shaq and, and Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet. So Jade Cargill continuing to be built, and that's good. That's a good situation for a squash match to be in. We really need to build somebody up. Uh, I wouldn't say quickly, but you need to give them some legitimacy. Uh, there's no reason for Pac to be having a squash match. We all know what Pac can do. Why are you showing him us like that again? You know, I didn't really need to see that then, but now I appreciate it, especially with Jade Cargill. Next segment, the MJF and New Stable. We get to find out their name and we get their motive and all stuff like that. So they all entered and uh, Tully Branchard uh, cuts a promo on how badly uh, this New Stable beat up the inner circle. Uh, MJF throws shots at Jericho's weight, uh, Jericho's hairline, and Jericho's chest structure. Uh, MJF cuts a great promo introducing the group and the name of the group called the pinnacle i'm not going to do mjf's promo justice uh so i recommend going back and listening to it if it's on youtube or if it's any, any, anywhere available from aw but mjf just doing a great job uh not only building himself up but building the rest of the members of the group up around him and i'm glad this is not called the four horsemen because i feel like it doesn't really describe them in that way like i don't view uh, Sean Spears as like, a four horseman type of guy. I feel like he's currently in this group uh, to be built up legitimately once again because he's been off TV for so long. He's been so underbooked and you know the, he was up there in the rankings for AEW but only because he was putting on good matches in AEW Dark that uh, I unfortunately don't watch as much as I should. But uh, with that being said, uh, I think they put together a really, really strong group. And with MJF as its leader, it's not really building up MJF. It, it is, given the fact that it legitimizes him once again. There's no reason to legitimize him any more than he is. He already had, He's the most legitimized person. And no, no one questions his talent on the microphone or in the ring. Uh, but it makes him now more of a, a leader figure, which is something I would like to see from MJF. And definitely not in the inner circle because that was Jericho's group. But now he's the leader of his own group which is really, really nice to see. And FTR uh, being involved in as well legitimizes the group even more, given the fact that they're such a fantastic tag team at that. So they put together a pretty solid group. They really did. And with Tully Blanchard there 
as a, the, the veteran statesman and with Wardlow as the muscle. They have, they have all the pieces that they need to move forward. They have a tag team. They have a, a nice mid-card guy in Spears. They have a top-of-the-line top guy in MJF. They have the veteran present. They have the muscle. You have your whole storybook right there. You, you filled out all the checks, uh, all the boxes with that. So uh, good on them. And, and with the group being called the Pinnacle, I feel like this is what a, a Pinnacle stable in AEW could look like. It's just the question is how many more stables are we going to see in AEW because it seems like uh, they like to make new ones pretty often. Uh, next match, Matt Hardy, Private Party, The Butcher, and The Blade. They take on Jurassic Express and Bear Country in a 10-man tag team match. Uh, chaos ensues early on with everyone getting involved and Jurassic Express and Bear Country standing tall in the beginning of the match. Nice spot with Bear Country tossing Marco Stunt. Onto the outside, onto the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, Jurassic Express and Bear Country having a hard time coinciding in this match, especially after the, the stunt that they pulled by throwing Marco's stunt. Uh, Matt Hardy's Empire picks up the victory as uh, a gin and juice connects from Private Party along with a twist of fate by Matt Hardy himself for them to pick up the win. Uh, they ended up pinning Marco's stunt there as well, so protecting everyone else in that match. Uh, I thought this was a solid match, a nice 10-man tag team match, if you will. But you had to put it, Matt Hardy's guys all together at some point. So uh, I guess Matt Hardy's empire is what they're going to try and call it now. or I, I don't remember them calling it a corporation or anything like that, but like his 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 money empire, what he's able to, to own. Uh, I would have liked to see him be act a little broke, uh, especially the, after the fact that he lost to Hangman Page. Uh, but at the same time, uh, for him to uh, even, even flaunt himself even more, uh, continues to develop that story. Uh, Christian Cage interview backstage. Uh, they didn't have this one in the ring, which I was a little bit upset about, but having it backstage, given what he said, it's understandable. Uh, he believes that he himself is the workhorse in professional wrestling. He wants a shot at Kenny Omega and the AEW Championship. And when the question is asked, why is he here? And he's here to cement his legacy and cemented his legacy in professional wrestling. Uh, do I think his legacy is pretty much already set before him joining AEW? I think so. I didn't think there's anything much for him to really add. I think he had a, a decent career, uh, a Hall of Fame worthy career, probably. Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not knocking Christian Cage in any way. You know, I, I, his time in TNA is very important. His time with Edge is extremely important as well. Uh, his beginnings with the Brood, you know, that's just me going the history of Christian Cage at this point. But uh, I think he wants to put an exclamation mark, or at least a period, on the end of his career, given the fact that his career ended relatively short, shorter than it, it should have given uh, due to injury. So he he wants to, much like Edge, Edge did, uh, and Edge is doing currently at the moment. Wants to uh, finalize it. Wants to at least uh, go out on his own terms, much like how Edge is going out on his own terms. So uh, happy to see that for Christian Cage. Uh, do I think he's uh, worthy of a match against Kenny Omega at the moment? No, uh, not even close. Kenny Omega is in his own other universe right now and will continue to grow into his own other universe uh, as long as they keep up with him grabbing titles from other companies, as we will see in April with him going up against... Uh, Rich Swan for the Impact World Championship. So, yeah, Christian Cage will have his match against Kenny Omega. He'll lose to the One Wing Angel, and that's it. Call it a day. 
You know, <laughs> I don't mean to sound so blunt, but I, I honestly much rather see Christian Cage in a similar role that Matt Hardy's in. Maybe not in a heel sense, but in a sense where he's helping build up uh, other wrestlers that need to be built up because Christian Cage's time is 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 up in my opinion, and hopefully there's a, a future for him in a managerial type of role. Next match, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley versus the Good Brothers uh, from Impact Red Wrestling. Uh, Kingston attacked on the stage as he makes his entrance by the Good Brothers. Moxley, all taped up on his shoulder and his chest, tries to come and save Kingston, but the save is thwarted off by the Good Brothers where Moxley is attacked anyway himself. Uh, after a dominant start by the Good Brothers, Moxley finally enters on a hot tag. Moxley with a big dive to the outside, even though he has the injured arm. Kingston pulls Gallows out of the ring, allowing Moxley to roll up Anderson for the win. The Good Brothers attack Moxley after the match. Omega enters to confront Moxley, of all things. And the Good Brothers and Omega crush the leg of Eddie Kingston. Uh, you know, really nice uh, chair spot there where, you know, you had the leg folded up in, within the, the chair and they crushed the leg. The Young Bucks save Moxley from getting his neck crushed by the chair. Uh, the Young Bucks deny the Bullet Club hand offering and walk out of the ring. Uh, the only real point I have to the well, there's a, a few. I do enjoy the Young Bucks, uh, Omega, Good Brothers uh, type of feud because I feel like that, that's kind of, I wouldn't say taboo, but it's it's forbidden doorish. You know, you're talking about the Bullet Club type of stuff and it, it gets people on the edge of their seat seeing what's going to happen uh, with this narrative with the, the Bullet Club members uh, or former Bullet Club. I, I don't even know what to call it anymore. With these members of the Bullet Club that aren't really members of the Bullet Club as much anymore, uh, with them uh, finding some dissension, and with them being all really big names as well in AEW. Uh, and one thing I really have to say that's bad about this is that there's no real reason why Omega should be feuding with Moxley anymore. They had their death match, and now it's over. It has to be over. Omega and Moxley can't happen again. Uh, if I see Omega-Moxley match, I will trash it into the ground. Because there's no point for them to have another match. They literally had the pinnacle of matches, the 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 uh, the feud ending match of all matches, a death match. And even though it ended in a dud, uh, that's not my fault to, to feel that way. That that's literally what happened. So there's no reason for them to have this match ever again. I do not want to see Omega Moxley for another five years. Uh, I, I'm not lying when I say that. Uh, I do. There's no reason for them to be feuding. Uh, at all but uh, if it helps them to have an altercation like this for omega to launch himself into another feud with the young bucks or for whoever it is uh, i'm more than happy to see that uh, given that the it didn't re this omega moxley feud didn't really go to waste after the, the dud of the death match uh, but at the same time i really don't want to see omega moxley ever again uh, not that the matches were bad. It's just that they had the pinnacle of the, the. It ends. It's over. It's done. They had their. It's the equivalent of having the Hell in a Cell in in WWE. What the Hell in a Cell used to be, and how important it was that it was the feud ending match and a death match in in AEW. A death match is, should be a feud ending match. If that's not, then I don't know what is. Uh, what would be a feud ending match? Uh, next segment, we see Sting and Darby Allen, or the, the weekly Sting interview with uh, Tony Schiavone. Uh, Allen wants to defend his TNT championship uh, week in and week out, uh, given that he wants to be a defending champion. He, he said that he won the championship in November of 2020 and only has defended the championship three times. He feels like he's doing the championship a disservice, so he calls out 
uh, members of the Dark Order uh, because of Brody Lee and uh, says that uh, if he wants them to get the first shot and whoever member that would be to get the first shot at the TNT Championship next week. Uh, Lance Archer enters to interfere in the promo as Jake the Snake Roberts says that the winds of change are coming given that Lance Archer is going to make more of a force in the uh, world of AEW. Uh, Team Taz enters after Archer leaves, uh, and Cage steals the microphone from Taz, and Cage uh, respects Sting, he says, and still believes that Sting is the icon. By saying that, Cage turns his back on Team Taz and walks through them to head backstage as Team Taz chases them. Big moment for Cage there. For I wouldn't call it a face turn yet, but it's the start of something there and the start of the dissension of Team Taz, a team that should honestly, I wouldn't say break up, but should fall into some sort of dissension, especially after the end of the match at uh, Street Fight, for the Street Fight match at Revolution. Uh, a lot to take it all at once as well, but I thought it was a pretty cool way to do an interrupt and repeat segment uh, without making everyone stand in the ring at the same time or everyone be on the stage at the same time. As soon as Archer left the segment, a new person came in, and it wasn't like they were all together at the same time, which uh, I guess is a way that you can do it. I didn't really think about it in that sense, where someone physically walks out of the frame and no longer a part of of what's on the screen and then another person comes in and instead of everyone just being oh wait I have something to say oh wait I have something to say oh wait I have something to say usually what we see at the start of every Monday Night Raw but I digress Ray Phoenix with Pac versus Angelico and surprisingly this was not a squash match as I, I, I wrote at the top of my notes assuming that it was going to be a squash match but it was not as it went through the, the commercial break a solid lucha back and forth with Angelico putting up a great fight in this match but a, a modified pile driver from Ray Phoenix to pick up the win. Good win there by Phoenix, as it was a decent match. It wasn't a match that was a throwaway. I felt like this was really, really strong. Speaking of strong matches, the main event of the evening, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa in a lights-out match. Uh, Roberts did a great job early on in this ma- in, in the uh, announcing of this match, be that, uh, doing a great job describing the rules and a great job by AEW actually turning the lights out for a moment just to signify that everything that happens after these lights go out are unsanctioned and not under AEW legislation. So I thought that was a great job there by AEW, at least tying it all together and for it being a lights-out match, it actually made something lights-out. Rebel attacks Rosa as the match starts with Action falling outside immediately, Action falling into the crowd uh, ringside as well. Uh, Thunder Rosa bleeding very early on in the match after being stomped into the steel steps and a superplex onto the chairs piled into the middle of the ring injuring both competitors Britt Baker now bleeding profusely as well and it was a lot of blood a lot a lot of blood I don't know if Baker caught a vein or anything like that but honestly uh, it was not for the faint of heart and uh, it's a little bit different when it's a women's match as well because you don't really see that that often and I feel like the blood that came out of Baker in this match really what ma- is what made this match what it was. It was so special. It was dripping from her brow. It was dripping from her cheek. It was dripping from her chin. You could see all of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. And there's a crimson mask that stayed as well. And it's like you even had Rebel trying to wipe it off because it ended up looking like a lot. But she was bleeding absolutely profusely. A Death Valley driver by Rosa onto the ladder. And then Baker... 
uh, finds herself back in the match and dumping thumbtacks into the middle of the ring. But Thunder Rosa powerbombs Baker into the fat, into the tacks, and oof, oof, oof. You see all those the silver uh, springing up out of the ring, and then some just sticking right into the middle of Baker's back. A uh, great visual there, and tacks a, a nasty spot to take as always. But uh, for her to take it there, superstar move, and a fire thunder driver by Rosa through a table to win the match. And I, all I gotta say is, wow, this is a match of the year candidate, and especially uh, for the women's. Uh, this is probably the best women's match of the year as well in any company I've seen so far. So this was a really, really some top-notch stuff. A show stealer in the main event and a, a show that was definitely built around this match. Uh, really, really happy to see. Uh, maybe my, my expectations were relatively low for this match than maybe what it should have been. But I was super happy to see it. And, and it was so different. So out of the blue for a, a women's match to be this fantastic on AEW that I was so taken aback by it for the the, the match of the year candidate for, for the women's side of things to be from AEW is a little bit shocking. I'm not going to even lie to you there. Uh, but we could see some competition at Mania between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, but uh, they're going to have to put out some great technical feats to beat this one because the blood and gore that came out of this one, this match right here, at, uh, I guess, AEW Dynamite St. Patrick's Day Slam uh, was special and, and well-deserving of a main event spot. And good on these two. Good on Baker. Good on Rosa putting on such a fantastic, fantastic show and uh, making this AEW Dynamite really, really special. Good on these two. We're going to head right into the break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about some NXT from last night. It was a solid show with some solid returns, something you're not going to want to miss, so stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 18th, 2001, WCW hosted Greed, their last pay-per-view ever. They had the lowest number of pay-per-view buys for a WCW event ever, and in terms of percentage, it was the lowest in company history. This is the last pay-per-view ever by WCW as the company would be bought out by WWF later in the week after a deal for Eric Bischoff-led company Fusion Media Ventures to buy the company fell through. On March 18, 2002, there was an insane episode of Monday Night Raw held in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Brock Lesnar made his WWF television debut and WWF CEO Linda McMahon announced the company would be undergoing a brand extension and effectively splitting its large roster in half, thus creating the brand split. And that probably one of the best ideas WWE ever had at that time. When you have no competition, sometimes you have to make competition of your own, splitting their own company in half to compete Raw versus SmackDown. And that worked out very, very well then. And it could continue to work out well now if they stuck to it, if they stuck to having got certain people on particular brands, which we don't see all the time, but we see most of the time. And yeah, I guess it's nice to see people have brands from time to time, but it, it's all dependent. It's all dependent on your viewpoint of it. Looking at last night's WWE NXT, uh, Finn Balor opened the show. Uh, Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor at TakeOver Stand and Deliver is confirmed. Uh, that match will be for the NXT Championship. And oh boy, am I excited how much I've have I been talking about Karrion Cross getting back in the NXT title picture. Well, here it is. Cross uh, enters, says the fans need to know who the real champion is around here. Cross wants to choke out Balor. 
as barely I'm too busy thinking about March Madness. <laughs> Cross wants to choke out Balor as Balor thinks that Cross is just going to choke in the match himself, meaning that he's just going to lose. Uh, Oni Larkin and Danny Burch enter hyping up Pete Dunne, even though uh, Dunne has already lost a few times to uh, Finn Balor. NXT champion, uh, excuse me, NXT tag team championship match is set for later on in the night with Balor and Cross teaming up after some persuading by Scarlett. Uh, we'll see later on how that goes, but definitely is exciting. Scarlett really putting her impact on uh, this whole situation, uh, which is great to see, uh, given that now Cross is back in this title picture. Dexter Loomis versus Austin Theory in this uh, opening match of the night for NXT. Uh, the way at home, this could be COVID isolation. We know COVID running rampant in NXT in the Performance Center. Uh, they could, I'm not saying that they have COVID, but they could be uh, them isolating for them being close contacts or, or what have you. Uh, we all know that there's issues there, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be ringside with uh, with with Austin Theory. There, there really isn't a reason for it, but... Um, I guess it's a good thing to have Theory go face his demons one-on-one -on -one with no distractions there ringside. Uh, action falls outside quick with Theory in control. Loomis trying to uh, drive fear into Theory, but Theory overcomes it with a strong running knee. Loomis offers his hand with Theory down, but Loomis tries to lock in uh, silence, but Theory slips out of it and attempts to connect the ATL. Loomis locks in silence and makes Theory passes out to win the match. Uh, so Loomis coming out of here, the victor with Austin Theory unconscious. Uh, I feel like this is a good way to end it, especially now, uh, given the fact that Theory didn't really tap out, but at the same time did lose the match, making Theory not look as bad, making Loomis look pretty strong here. And Loomis should be next in line for the NXT uh, North American Championship from Gargano, Theory being the stepping stone there. And I'm not saying break up the way at this moment, but Theory could help Loomis win. But given the altercation after, not the altercation, but given how the way this match ended, uh, we could uh, probably not see that. Adam Cole, he cuts a promo. Cole in a new shirt, no longer repping the Undisputed Era. Uh, no entrance was, was shown, so we can't really tell if there is a new entrance music for Adam Cole. But you can only assume that he's probably going to stay with the Undisputed Era music, much like how Roman Reigns stayed with the Shield music. But be just because of the Adam Cole baby type of thing. But given that he's a heel now, he might not want to give the crowd the opportunity to do that. Uh, given the fact you don't want to have that crowd reaction. Uh, Cole wants to fight O'Reilly. Uh, Regal enters saying that O'Reilly isn't in the building. But O'Reilly pops up on the screen. Anyway, sending threats to Adam Cole. Uh, this story is going to be fantastic over the summer. When these two are able to go one-on-one -on -one multiple times. Uh, Legado del Fantasma with Santos Escobar ringside takes on Breezango. Uh, Fantasma in control early on. Uh, really loving the NXT tag team division. I think it's one of the best tag team divisions in uh, the world of professional wrestling. Probably behind AEW currently at the moment. But it's right up there. They're very, very close. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't say very close, but AEW does put on good stories. But NXT, they, they do great with whatever they have. They just make everything just just shine as much as they can. And really, I can't really think of a lot of down points in the NXT divisions as a whole. Uh, Breeze enters on a hot tag and dominates, but can't get the pinfall. The guy does pin Fantasma picks up the win 
after a huge kick from Mendoza. Uh, after the match, Escobar calls out Devlin, and Devlin enters, making his way from NXT UK, as he said. Uh, the two meet face-to-face. -face. Escobar laughs at the fact of being the guy who was filling in uh, as the NXT Cruiserweight Champion, given the fact that he believes that he changed the definition of what it meant to be a Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, so a match is set for NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, with the titles finally being decided who is the real NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar or Jordan Devlin. Uh, Devlin attacks Escobar and scurries out of the ring in a hurry before Legato does Fantasma could do anything about it. I'm super duper excited for this match. I've been watching Jordan Devlin throughout his time in NXT UK, throughout this uh, COVID pandemic, and for Santos Escobar throughout all of this time uh, with him as the NXT Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, they both have been fantastic champions in their own right, but now we get to finally see who is the real champion here. And uh, I wouldn't call it a title unification, just in a title uh, legitimizer. You know, but the last time we seen this it was with Sami Zayn, with him returning with the Intercontinental Championship at uh, what I believe that was Clash of champions i believe <laughs> if i'm thinking back uh deep enough in that ladder match between uh hardy styles and Sami Zayn, and uh, that worked out really well so and that, that was a match of the year candidate then so this could be a match of the year candidate now zoe starks with dakota uh, excuse me zoe starks versus dakota kai and dakota kai with raquel gonzalez a uh, great back and forth uh, starks really looking like a resilient star at least that's how they're trying to bill her to be uh, starks caught in midair by a pinpoint super kick no leg slap needed there because you heard that one no problem dakota kai picks up the victory by a, a draping spin kick. Uh, Starks look great, but she really needs to pick up a win at some point. Uh, for her to go up against great talent, I understand it legitimizes her as a great talent herself, just for, by the fact of being in the same... You know, she had a match with Shirai, now she has a match with Kai, so probably she'll have a match with Tony Storm next, or a match with Ember Moon, or Black, or whatever. You know, have another match with someone of great talent, or uh, in Zaylee even you know, in the women's division. It puts her on that same level for, for her to be in that conversation. So uh, she just needs to pick up a win at some point. I'm wondering who she's going to pick up that win from. Maybe Tony Storm definitely could see that in some situation. Uh, Io Shirai enters after the match with a contract for Raquel Gonzalez walking right past Dakota Kai and gives Raquel Gonzalez the contract for a future NXT Women's title match. Uh, this is not because uh, of any reason. Well, Raquel Gonzalez did pin Io Shirai at War Games, so that's one thing. And Raquel Gonzalez is the legitimate force in, in the NXT Women's division. So, for her to get this title opportunity, it makes perfect sense. I like how Shirai is kind of the challenger in this situation because she is challenging Raquel Gonzalez to be the next challenger for the NXT women's title. So it's weird. It's a weird dynamic, but it works. It works. and It makes Shirai look like the aggressor here for sure, without a doubt. But it may, maybe it, at one point it could make her look overzealous in a, in a good way, uh, allowing Raquel Gonzalez to pick up the title. Uh, I'm not sure which way this can go. I think it might be too soon for Gonzalez to pick up the title now. But if they're going to do it anywhere, they're going to do it at Stand and Deliver, uh, given how well Gonzalez has performed in these past few months. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Marcel Barthel. 
Bartel, excuse me. Uh, Champa attacks Eichner prior to the match and gets a quick advantage. Champa struggling early, but uh, picks up the pace. Eichner interferes, but Barthel uh, back in control. So a lot of back and forth here, uh, especially with some interferences. Uh, Willard Bell by Champa gives him the victory while thwarting off the ringside distractions. And then, in a moment of surprise and a moment of, of shock even, Walter makes his way back to NXT uh, as Imperium lost this match. Walter uh, makes his way over from the United Kingdom uh, and NXT UK as he is the current NXT UK champion, makes his way to NXT with the belt and uh, chops the absolute soul out of Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, we all know uh, if you ever, if you don't watch NXT UK, there's one match you need to watch: Walter versus Ila Dragunov. And the the brutality in that match is something more brutal than I've seen from WWE or WWE branded show in a very 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 long time. Walter can chop with the best of them, and he chopped the absolute taste out of well, the, anything you could chop out of somebody. He top, chopped it out of Tommaso Ciampa uh, last night. He also connected with a huge power bomb as well. Uh, good on Walter finding his way back to the states. And now being a, uh, a real force in the in the NXT uh, division, uh, Cole and O'Reilly arrested, both yelling and cursing at each other. Cole claiming that O'Reilly tried to run him off of the road. Uh, that's sort of where the segment ended. There, sort of leaving us on a cliffhanger—not a cliffhanger at the end of the show, but a cliff cliffhanger in that moment—and uh, we didn't hear any updates from them. Uh, LA Knight versus. August Gray, LA Knights. This is his NXT in-ring debut. Uh, commentary barely described who Gray was or who LA Knight was going against. Uh, Bronson Reed enters, puts on LA Knight's jacket that he left backstage, and he rips it given the size of Bronson Reed. That's not that hard to do. Uh, Knight picks up the angry victory over the, the 12-5 live guy that no one really knew about. Uh, glad Reed was involved in this match, though, giving it some depth moving it into the future. Now, looking back from the start of the show, now to the main event, Karrion Cross with uh, Finn Balor taking on Oni Larkin and Danny Burch on a tag team match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, Cross has such great size. It's so awesome. I'm not sure if it's just because of the size of everyone else in this match. He looks so big, but he just looks like a, a towering giant. They have him billed at 6'4". But on on screen he looks huge. He looks like an absolute giant, and his size and his his mass. He just looks like a presence in the ring that cannot be ignored. Uh, Cross in control until Larkin had to interfere, but Cross shows his dominance again by dropping both Birch and Larkin at the same time. Uh, Larkin and Birch gain their footing over Finn Balor of all people. But Birch also ringside talking to a medical official. He didn't find his way involved in this match uh, after he was talking to the medical official. I think there might be a legitimate injury, but do not confirm me on that. Uh, but he, he, there was a point where uh, Birch was involved, but now he, he wasn't involved after uh, Karrion Cross took them both out. Uh, Baylor drop kicked onto Lorkin onto Scarlet on the outside so it wasn't like Finn Balor intentionally hit Scarlet on the outside it was just a collision effect where Lorkin ended up falling into Scarlet but Cross didn't want to hear anything about it Cross attacked Finn Balor 
during during the match. It wasn't even after the match. It was while the match was going on. Uh, he, Cross ends up tossing Balor into the ring, allowing Lorcan to pin and retain the titles. Uh, Cross attacking Balor after the match and stands tall as the show fades to black. This Cross-Balor match is going to be absolutely insane at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And you best believe that these two are going to stand and deliver. You best believe that because these two are ready to put on a show. An absolute show. Uh, I have all the respect in the world for Karrion Cross. He lost the NXT Championship. Not due to him actually losing a match, but for him tearing his tricep, forcing him to drop the NXT title. Now with Finn Balor as the current holder of it, uh, Finn Balor has done such a fantastic job legitimizing himself as a true champion, not just a person carrying the belt for Cross, uh, waiting for Cross to return. Uh, Balor has be- beaten everyone that has been placed in front of him. It's he's beaten O'Reilly, he's beaten Pete Dunne, he's beaten Adam Cole. So for him now that uh, he is legit- he's legitimately the holder. He's not just a person carrying it, waiting for Cross to come back. So. This one-on-one match, and as Cross said himself, uh, this match has to be one-on-one. No interference, no no business, no baggage coming to drag them down in either way. Cross handled his business. Finn Balor has handled his with Adam Cole, who has moved on to other things with uh, Kyle O'Reilly, obviously. So, uh, for this to be the the pinnacle match for for this takeover, for this to be the main event. Uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more excited. Looking at the winners of this week's Wednesday Night War, uh, I'm going with AEW here. I think they pick up the win on AEW. I'm giving them an A minus, and I'm giving uh, this show of NXT a B, floating closer to a B plus, but I'm going to give it a B. Uh, it was a solid show. Nothing really that took away from it too much, but in comparison to the main event. Uh, uh, th- there was no, <laughs> there was big moments, uh, huge moments in in this NXT, but nothing in this NXT compared to the lights out match, the main event between Baker and Rosa. That is a match of the year candidate, and the, easily the best women's match of the year so far. So a uh, great on both of them. Uh, shock, shocking matches uh, on uh, a shocking match on AEW, and uh, a great moment for them both to have. And something that they're both forever to ha- be able to hang their hat on. And Rosa, I believe she tweeted out herself, is like, this is what the women division should should look like. And how we should be respected more because of the matches that they can put on. And deservingly so. Deservingly so. Looking at uh, tomorrow's episode, uh, our next episode, NXT UK. That is today. Trent Seven will challenge Jordan Devlin for the WWE NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Obviously, Jordan Devlin going to retain the championship given the fact that, well, I would be very, I would be extremely surprised if Trent Seven uh, ended up winning this match. Uh, this is sort of tough for Trent Seven because uh, I this people are just waiting to find their way back to America for COVID restrictions to be lifted and they were lifted in the middle of Trent Seven's storyline between Jordan Devlin, Trent Seven trying to find his way under 205 pounds. Uh, either way, no matter what happens, Trent Seven is going to be in fantastic shape. So good for Trent Seven. Uh, it might not lead to him winning a championship, but it will lead to him being in fantastic shape, and that's not, nothing to to scoff at at all. But that's all for me. Remember to get 
20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and using the code FANSIDED20, all caps. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.